0: Hello and welcome to the Viasat Podcast. I'm Alex Miller with the editorial team here at Viasat, and we're here today with Brendan Sullivan, Senior Vice President of Intelligent Edge Solutions. This division of the company is relatively new, and it includes Intelli, which came over with Viasat's acquisition of RigNet in 2021. So, Intelli is an operational AI platform, and we recently featured one of its founders, Ricardo Clemente, on the podcast. He gave us a great rundown of how Intelli started and some of the basics about how it works and also the ways in which it enables companies, particularly in the energy industry, to monitor operations in a much more automated and real-time fashion than previously possible. So in this episode, we're going to follow up on that with Brendan to talk about the future of AI in different industries around the world and how those capabilities help Viasat add value to its enterprise customers beyond just supplying a fast internet connection. So thanks a lot for being on the podcast today, Brendan. It's nice to meet you. Well, thanks for having me. All right. So as I noted, we, we had a good outline of what Intelli is all about in our episode with Ricardo, but let's just kick off this discussion by asking you uh, for a quick overview of Intelli and its purpose.
1: Sure. And let me you know, give you an overview of both Intelli and, and maybe the broader Intelligent Edge Solutions group, right? Right. Thanks. So as the name would imply, Intelligent Edge Solutions is really a mashup of, of four different things, um, taking assets from the RigNet acquisition, as well as, as stuff that had already had. And it's really a combination of our AI applications, so a la Intelli, but we have other, you know, sophisticated applications like our adaptive video intelligence product, which is a video centric thing. And then we combine that with enterprise grade cybersecurity. So if you're going to start linking together critical infrastructure, and punching holes through what were air gap networks, you wanna make sure you secure that first, right? So we, we have a whole cyber division inside of IES. We also have uh, the combination of the hybrid network. So we have all the L-band IoT products that includes Viasat's mobile satellite services. Uh, it includes about 12 different flavors of IoT terminals from, you know, Certus, Inmarsat. So all the different ways to get sensor data you know, from the sensor to the cloud. And then we have other low latency hybrid networks. So we have all the 4G and 5G networks like our 60,000 square mile network in the Gulf of Mexico that helps all the energy assets, you know, bring back their, their machine, machine data and all their data from the Gulf of Mexico back to land over LTE. Now, Intelli is, probably the centerpiece of the whole thing, because really what you're trying to do with operational AI is unlock this transformational power of using AI to improve the efficiency and the safety and the security of these big critical assets. So, you know, we go after big customers have large scale operations around the world Um, They're usually best served by satellite, right? Um, So that could be mining, it could be oil and gas, it could be maritime stuff. And they have large, expensive, complex projects. And using machine learning and AI and a bunch of pre-built applications, we can go in and take a semi-autonomous process and make it more autonomous, but we can also make all the human beings a lot more efficient in that process. And so we're looking for cases where we can literally improve the process by 10 to 1, 10x and in, in, in very expensive things like offshore drilling where you're spending you know over a million dollars a day, when you start to make things like one percent improvement, you start to realize hundreds of millions of dollars of savings on an annual basis and that's that's really what Intelli is all about. It's and then IES is about bringing you know the sensors together with the network to then create this giant, Industry level brain in the
0: cloud. Okay. Hey, just going back to what you were talking about. So it might be a really good example, like on a, a drilling rig or like you were just referring to. What's an example of where that savings would come from?
1: Yeah. So we roll everything up into uh, what we call NPT, right? Non productive time. And we're, so we're trying to eliminate non productive time um, or what's called hidden loss time. So when you think about a, a deep water drill ship, they're highly censored up. Each room has about 6,000 sensors. So, you know, downhole hole, we can get about 50,000 data points a second per rig, right? So some of our customers are throwing us a million pieces of data a second. And uh, from that, we can do all sorts of things. So we've, we've got more than 100 different applications to speed up uh, the drilling and completions process. So they actually, how fast you can drill for oil. Um, and they could be everything from slip to weight. So how fast is crew A versus crew B screwing in the pipe? And why, is, why does one crew take twice as much time? Is it a training issue? Is it a safety issue? Is some, something wrong with the equipment on the rig? We can do all sorts of predictive maintenance on the power systems, on the fluid systems, to avoid them breaking down in the middle of the job and taking the rig out of service for a couple of days while they repair it. We can, you know, do really elaborate things like, hey, you're hitting a certain, you know, lithology that you weren't expecting and and certain density. You need to back off the speed of the, the drill and put more pressure on it or increase the lubricants and that will increase your rate of penetration per day. So we're running, you know, more than, 200 you know, complicated engineering state models in real time and it's, it's doing what's called the digital augmentation, a decision augmentation for these subject matter experts on how to squeeze a couple more percent out of every stage of the well construction. and that in turn ends up saving them a meaningful amount of money. So you know we have customers that you know will run this around on a rig on about 20 rigs at the same time. They saw, over a calendar year, a half of 1% savings in NPT. That saves them $500 million a year in cost. And
0: I'm sure there's also a safety component, so if there's something going wrong, it, it also will send out those alerts and,
1: and pick those up more quickly, things like that. Yeah, so that's, I mean, the one thing that everybody collaborates in, in oil and gas, especially offshore, is safety. There is a safety lecture every single day. It's a very dangerous environment. And so, you know, you can really lose a lot of time if you get shut down for safety or an industrial accident. And and so, of course, everybody wants for just protecting people's lives and their limbs. You know, we want to improve safety, but safety also directly translates into improving efficiency on the job. And so a lot of our applications, a lot of our video applications are geared on on making sure that safety procedures are being followed on accident review, and can you use AI technology to improve safety all the time? Um, And we have things, you know, that are really sophisticated, trying with a lot of customers where you might have an IoT sensor on a crane arm and on a person's body, and if they get too close to each other, they just automatically stop, so you can't get hit by the crane. You know, so those are the, the types of decisions we're trying to make in real time. So, you know, so, so safety is a major element of kind of every app we build. Um, It has a safety feature built in.
0: Okay, well, uh, moving on is a little bit of a chicken and an egg question. So, um, are customers seeking out this type of service and technology because they know they need an AI platform for efficiency and safety, or is it through your team educating customers on, on how this can improve their
1: operations, uh, mitigating risk, and increasing sustainability? You know, it's in both directions. I mean, digital transformation, just that consulting buzzword, is really a CEO-level initiative, Right. It's beyond the CIO and the CTO. It's up at the CEO, right? They're trying to get a competitive edge. But they don't usually, when they get in the game, know really how to do it or what they're after, right? So there's a there's a big education process. The way I try to describe it to people is, you know, starting in about 2018, there was a kind of an AI arms race that started in oil and gas, right? Everybody, that was right after the big downturn, right? Everybody's losing money when crude oil went from $126 a barrel down to you know, $26 barrel. Yeah, wow. And uh, everybody was looking for a way to get 40% margin on a $40 barrel of oil, which it costs more than that then to produce that barrel of oil. The only way you were going to do that was through digital transformation, right? Because they already had laid everybody off they could. They'd slashed all the IT budgets. They went through the world procurement. The last big budgets were these huge operating budgets because it's expensive to get oil out of the ground. And so... Everybody had to start on this journey and it started with the biggest guys that could fund it on this digital transformation. And th- those that developed that competitive edge and got to that margin profile would be the consolidators five years later. And those that didn't would be potentially out of business. And you're seeing that play out when COVID hit, right? And it just decimated the land market and you're going through massive restructuring. You know, th- those thought leaders that, that can get crew out of the ground much cheaper are the ones that are buying the other guys that are too distressed to hang on any longer and are, are declaring bankruptcy. And so what we've had to educate the market on is how do you do that? It's one thing to say that's your initiative and to put dollars, but it's really kind of, there's lots of different ways to skin that cat and it's really tricky. So we try to come in with a tried and true playbook and say, here's your, your phases and stages of evolution. Just expose all this data and give real-time dashboards and, and work your way into things that are a lot more elaborate like predictive maintenance, but you can still get tons of value in the early stages just by exposing all the inefficiency by shining a light on the data.
0: So how about wind and solar? How involved is Intelli in that side of the energy industry?
1: We don't do a whole lot in that at the moment. We are getting in that direction because the, guy, the big sponsors of a lot of green energy are the big oil and gas companies that we work with, Right. But the thing about wind power, solar power, it really is very AI-driven. I mean, when you just think about, you know, you have to flip flop the, the energy grid. Some days you're, you know, the sun's out and you're, and you need to store all this energy you're collecting, and then the the sun sets and now you got to transmit the other direction. If you're not using AI to do that, you're not going to be successful because you need super precision to deal with that kind of complex environment to just, you know, extend the life of the batteries and the electrical grid. So so clean energy, renewable energy is really powered by AI um, and that, and they're just kind of building it in from the ground floor up. You know, they won't, they're not having to transform their way in, but there's no doubt that green energy is a big market and will be a big market for us as we expand across verticals.
0: Okay, yeah, it makes a lot of sense and there's going to be a lot more of those things in remote places that need uh, connectivity and operational efficiencies on the AI side, right? Right. So what are some of the ways, and I think we touched on some of this, but what are some of the other ways, I guess, uh, that a company can increase the value that they derive from data? uh, And how do you see that changing over the next several years? It sounds like it's just going to get bigger and bigger.
1: Yeah, I think people are, you know, they're, they're, Definitely awoken to the potential of it, right? I don't think anybody going to CEO school right now has some conversation about digital transformation and how to spin that story for their investors, right? There are definitely different levels of maturity by industry. And then there's definitely different levels of capability. But the one thing that's becoming very different in the world of industrial IoT is is now you're getting sensors deployed everywhere, right? You really can't do digital transformation without a significant amount of data, and it's really time series stream data. So if you don't have a big data set, you can't get to the right statistical probability to, to really help help your business, right? So the world is censoring up fast, right? And, you, and everybody sees in the news all these predictions that you know there'll be seven IoT sensors for every cell phone by 2030. And we've got 10 billion out there, we're approaching 30 billion. I mean, it's just a staggering number. Um, and they're using things like satellite-based technology that now have it uh, wide, you disperse over a wide geographic area, so you don't have all these little pocket niche areas. You can literally track a cargo container from you know, loading the stuff into it through the port across the ocean to where it unloads and know where your stuff is at every moment of the day. I mean, we now have the technology to do that. So that allows the, the companies that are building really in- innovative apps to really be able to reimagine businesses and come out with a lot newer business models that really unlock all this hidden waste. And it's really exploded. I mean, the compute power required, like out at the edge, that problem you know really was solved over the last 10 years, but certainly about five years ago. Uh, now we're actually getting you know, enough data into these systems where you can start to build some really interesting apps and see where the data takes you. It's hard to kind of just sit down and map this out in a waterfall style and design it. You you really you know have a phased approach with a set of goals and see where your data takes you. But we we haven't engaged with any customer that hasn't seen significant and surprising savings. You know once they got into year of, uh, one year into all these programs, they just are sometimes surprised where they find it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that it's pretty eye opening when they start getting the reams of data compared to you know a smaller drip that they were used to. So we we talked about the energy industry, but what about uh, the future of AI and other types of business verticals like, uh, I don't know, mobility or defense? Uh, Do you see uh, you moving in that direction as well?
1: Yeah, we actually are are actively involved in that. Um, And Intelli was for a number of years. You know, they actually didn't start in the energy market. Now, we've really specialized in energy. And certainly under RigNet, that made a whole lot of sense, right? Because we were so invested in upstream offshore energy. But uh, Intelli actually got to start originally uh, with the television show Big Brother. And it was the Big Brother of Brazil. They were shooting it down in Brazil and Hollywood needed a way to get all these digital dailies to flow from Brazil up to Hollywood so they could edit the show and get it on air each week. Oh, wow. Really? And they really used Intelli before there was like a splunk to make sure they had enough storage, that the video was acting back to Hollywood, that the editing was getting done in the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then they moved on to help predicting point of sales and sales optimization for Walmart of Brazil, you know, by sucking in all the e-commerce data and trying to figure out why some stores were selling, you know, certain products way more than other stores. And we work today in the fintech market, um, trying to optimize, you know, the number of, of credit card machines that are online so that you can swipe it at any restaurant. So we're in a lot of technology and one of the areas that we're doing a lot of interesting trials right now is in the mobility space. So we have a new thing that we're working on with cars, rental car companies, and we've been doing webinars and other things where we actually put a collector box and you just hook it into the, the engineer car, right? The thing that hours your trip computer and that's a lot more than telemetry. And then, you know, right now we're trialing off a satellite, but then we're going to switch it to this new satellite, I mean, off a of cellular, but we're going to switch it to satellite so that it works outside of the city of Rio. Right. But what it, once you have access to the trip computer, which is called a Modbus, every engine has it, you can do all sorts of things, right? You can do a, a driver performance score. So, is the guy constantly slamming on his brakes or accelerating on it really fast? You can't, you know, so you know the comfort zone of that driver. There's real dangerous parts of the city that you can't drive in after dark, you know, because you'll invalidate rental car company. So we can track that and say, hey, avoid this barrio at this time of day because your car is about to get jacked. Um, we can do keyless and en- remote entry. We can do kind of an on-star type safety feature. Mm-hmm. We can do fuel performance optimization there's all sorts of things we can do once we're actually talking to the engine of the car, as opposed to just, you know, tracking it by a GPS signal. Wow. That's fascinating. So your rental car company is watching you.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> don't drive into the wrong country.
1: Yeah. And then we're going to take that out in Brazil, trials on trains and for train safety and buses. So, you know, once you it's all the enterprise level, it's, it's kind of too expensive for the average person to just add to their car but certainly it plays very well in uh, more the enterprise or industrial space so that's our that's our new offering which we call smart mobility
0: so uh, you touched on this some um, but what are some of the the main discoveries for customers after they integrate this kind of operational AI into their operations
1: well, I think there's good things and there's bad things you know we've been lucky you know that we've been working with the biggest guys because they've they really have organized digital transformation and a lot of you know seasoned professionals to do it. Um, as it goes more down market, they'll be a lot less organized, right? So there's there's a lot of education there. Um, and so on the good front, we've been able to show them with a AI engine versus just an old BI platform, they really are able to not you know to change their processes in flight. So you know it's one thing when you you look at a process and then you go analyze it and you you do all those management reports and say okay next time let's try this and then you got to wait for that entire process to end and then you reanalyze it it's slow when you can do that in real time you know cuz so like a drilling campaign offshore might take more than 6 months right when you can find a process in e- efficiency and change it the next day you you know your actual realized savings are like 60 times more And and if you kind of go in the wrong direction, then very quickly, the data will tell you, hey, back that up. You were getting warmer, now you're getting colder. So I think that that is a a big aha moment for people and they get very excited about it and they show all these dashboards to management and it can be really a career booster for them. And then there's also the downside to it. Some people try to treat an AI program like a BI engine and they try to over-massage the data and then you know, it's hard to get them to, to do it the right way because uh, they're kind of worried that they're exposing bad processes to their boss, if you think about it that way. All right. <laughs> and uh, there are people that think that they can jump straight to something like predictive analytics, which is kind of the dream of a lot of these guys. And, and that's really hard. I mean, that's, that's like the hard prize. So it's not that hard if you're looking at a, a type of engine to see that its output stayed the same, but its temperature went way up. It's about to fail. But a lot of people think you can, the AI can say, well, okay, just instead of letting it fail in 12 hours and three minutes, let's do a maintenance window right here. And why don't you fix these four systems before and after that's super complicated, right? It takes a lot of, you know, expert knowledge about the environment that's in. And uh, that is not something that AI engines can predict. That's, you know, very easily. However, like I was saying, when you just shine a light on everyday processes that you do, you know, that only might take you a minute, but you have a thousand people do it a thousand times a day. If you can take that minute down to 56 seconds, you can get a shocking big return on that. And so we try to, you know, temper people's expectations so that they're continuously being successful and they're continuously wowing their bosses. And that education process takes a while so you might go through several failed trials before you finally hit your sweet spot and and that that's a, a difficult educational process right
0: so you've created these powerful tools but you don't just drop them on their desk i mean there's there's a lot of education that goes along with with the
1: service uh, that you provide yeah we do i mean we have a thing called Intelli University we also are somewhat unique in that even though it's proprietary languages, we invite customers to bring in third parties or make their own changes, and we won't charge them for that, right? We, mm-hmm. we use the, you know, the machines are only as smart as the experts that train them. So for us to get into a new vertical, we got to get somebody that's really an expert that's been doing it for like 25 years, who really knows what the operational pain points are. And then we build a series of pre-built apps where, you know, they're about 85% pre-built. But then when we go to these large customers, They all do it slightly different. They have slightly different data sources and sensors, but they're all looking to try to optimize basically the same process. So we can either parachute in our team of professional services to help accelerate their speed to value and get them up in like 30 days, or they can do it themselves and go through University. So we're very flexible about being an open architecture and we have lots of ways to do that because Ultimately, we want to land and expand with the customer. So we start small and then we grow more and more functions until we're too important to their business to turn off.
0: All right. So, you know, now that Intelli is part of Biaset, so, uh, you know, with access to all of Biaset's connectivity solutions, what are a few examples of how this kind of operational AI platform can maximize that power? I mean, you were using, you know, satellite and uh, all kinds of other communication or connectivity solutions before this, but now that you're kind of in the same boat with Viasat, how does, how does that uh, help things?
1: Yeah. So it helps both externally and it helps internally, right? So externally, it's all about customer stickiness, right? So, you know, a lot of us have been, you know, really going through customer centrism, you know, when you're building someone a network, that's very important, right? Connecting the world, right? But it's not something that gets the CEO excited. When you're in the boardroom talking about how to eliminate their pain point and give them big ROI returns that are meaningful, and then you connect that with the network component, then that's a very powerful bundle, right? Um, right. It's not so much about filling up VSAT 3 because, you know, machine-to-machine traffic is very compressible and very small, right? We can run it over IT networks. But it's about a network that you, all, that you will pay a premium for and you always want running because it's actually powering your business, right? And so by combining those two things, we can really start to understand our customers' pain points and give them solutions that are not just the network part, but also the operational apps, right? And that's a super powerful bundle that not a lot of competitors have. And then on the internal front you're absolutely right. I mean we can yield the same types of savings ourselves. So, you know, we're about to kick off a process to see if there's any better way to do, you know, capacity management on ViaSat 3. I mean, you know, when you think about you're constantly wanting to tune your beams because the you know, traffic patterns are constantly shifting and you know, ViaSat today has a process that's almost bi-weekly where hey, you know, this this segment needs more beams over this because the air aviation routes are changing because they were recovering from COVID. And so there's constantly reshaping and retuning of our network to try to squeeze more to every customer out of it, right? Well, what if you could just tap in that stream in real time and with the new generations of satellite, you can actually send it an optimization much more frequently, like say every five or six hours or hourly instead of, you know, biweekly. Well, I bet you, you can squeeze a heck of a lot more network out of the satellite. And so those are things we're exploring using this level of technology for internal efficiency.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, uh, with satellites, it's all about capacity. And, uh, you know, in older satellites, a lot of that capacity just doesn't be used. So, you know, with Viasat 3 and, and the ability to to have those flexible beams and having the, the power to control them in real time and move that capacity
1: around where it's needed, that's just... Uh, A real game changer. Right. I mean, telcos basically, you know, you make money on scale. It's all about yield management, right? In this case, it's the satellite capacity yield management. But every business really runs on yield management, whether you're a transportation company, you're trying to get yield out of an oil reservoir, a mining company getting, you know, yield out of the ground. So we go after those markets specifically inside a gem and use this technology targeted at increasing yield.
0: All right. So um, talking a little bit about uh, Viasat and growing globally and and also working towards being more customer-centric, which you were just talking about, how can Intelli help with that goal?
1: I think it helped a lot. I mean, we're already global. I think um, Intelli was mostly known in Brazil. And then we quickly took it to Houston when uh, Rignet acquired Intelli. And then we we expanded from there, so we already have projects now running in the Middle East and in London, and we're talking. And we're we just kicked off some stuff in Australia, so you know we're already operating in the kind of fifty-two country footprint. So that's helpful, and we actually just won some three or four countries where we don't have any network, you know, Visa or RigNet, uh, working with uh, oil and gas companies there. So one, I think, uh, going global. We're already going global. We tend to specialize in companies that have big global spread because that's, that's the guys that, that really need our help. Um, but more importantly, it's back to what I was saying is you have to, in order to make the AI work and to get the return on investment that everybody's expecting in digital transformation, you really have to intimately understand what the customer's pain points are and how you can apply technology To eliminate them and once you have that deep understanding then you build you know long-term loyalty those are the customers you have for 10 plus years and so clearly you know from a revenue intel is very small compared to what we do in satellite communications but it really will help us with the largest brands to continuously build loyalty and constantly assess how we're doing against against competition. So it really gives us, the bundle gives us a, a powerful flywheel effect that we get when we combine the two things. Right.
0: You know, in in talking with your existing customers that you had, you know, going into the acquisition by Viasat, are some of your customers
1: saying they're excited about
0: that merger? Or?
1: Yeah, I think generally speaking, uh, everybody is, right? You know, because one, when you're out on the bleeding edge, a lot of you know, they're dealing with a lot of small companies and we're dealing with very, very large companies. So, you know, having the backing of a Viasat is very important to them. And then secondly, you know, they really don't want lock-in from like the large equipment manufacturers who will sell you, you know, a billion dollars of equipment, but then, and give you, you know, the analytics for free, but you're locked in. So they really like uh, the neutrality. Being a part of a global strategic like Viasat is really appealing to any segment we're in, as opposed to going with, you know, the big incumbent that they already, you know, takes a a big chunk of their wallet share. They don't want to get too much lock in. And so, you know, our open architecture, our focus on resilience as well as availability and footprint really does well. And so, yeah, I think bar none, they've all been quite excited about the, uh, about the Viasat acquisition. And, and frankly, they're also uh, excited about, you know, the possibility of us joining forces with Inmarsat because remember Inmarsat has a huge footprint of just IoT networks, right? So, um, so that helps.
0: So you talked a little bit about this at the top about intelligence edge solutions, which is, which is sort of a new division of Viasat. Are there any other elements of that business that we haven't talked about that you'd like to mention?
1: Just like there's a power in the vertical bundle of apps and satellite, there is absolutely a power in our IoT networks, you know, and what we're doing in in there. In addition to our broadband KA networks, and then then there's there's just a requirement that a lot of people overlook that you have to secure this stuff. You know, these are some of the most secure and valuable assets on the planet. A lot of the the facilities we worked on cost between 2 and $20 billion to build. Um, And so you really got to be, you know, you really have to have have the security baked in. So I I think in a longer topic, we can go into how we do that. But we really differentiate in in bundling all those things together, right? So that we really lower the upfront capital costs and the upfront risks our customers have to to make and to get in the game with us. Whereas, you know, to, to do it with somebody else, you might need to cobble together five or six different solution providers to give you this full stack because you need all the components of it. And then you are on the hook to integrate it all. We pre-integrated it. So, so adding that all together gives us a, a distinct speed to value, speed to market advantage for our customers. Um, and I think it's an important bundle that we should talk more about. But, you know, I think it, we'd have to give it a meaningful amount of time.
0: All right. Well, Brendan Sullivan, Senior Vice President of Intelligent Edge Solutions here at Biosat. It's kind of a really exciting new part of our company that's got a, a lot of uh, pretty amazing growth potential and, and uh, cool technology coming forward. So thanks a lot for coming on the podcast and explaining that to us. And we look forward to having you uh, back on uh, a little further down the road when you've got more to talk about. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Biasat Podcast. If you know someone you think would be interested in what you've heard on this episode, please share. You can always find the latest episodes on our blog at biasat.com. And you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts.